And then can we can we is it possible to send the audio link to our hostage leaders chat? Okay, so it's not like a link we can just send them. Well, anyways, and then and then last night's we'll talk about later. We'll talk about later. <clears throat> we also have to get last night's uh, discussion. Okay, good morning, everyone. First uh, Thessalonians chapter two. We're continuing on in our reading, and there's no way to make this thing uh, higher, huh? The light. <clears throat> okay, I mean, not no matter what's going to be on me, no matter what. better? <laughs> Still there. Okay. Anyways, uh, let's, let's read together. Uh, starting from verse 1. You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you now, as you know, but with the help of God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. <clears throat> we are not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. You know, we never use flattery, nor do we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We're not looking for praise from people not from you or anyone else, even though as apostles of Christ we could have asserted our authority. Instead, <clears throat> we were like young children among you, just as a nursing mother cares for her children. So we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. And then let's move to verse 17. But brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. Amen. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Um, <clears throat> so I thought it would be a great reminder for us this morning in a verse 2, you know, verse 1 and 2, you know, brothers and sisters, at our visit to you, was not without results, okay? So everyone wants results. Everyone wants there to be fruits. You know, it's always exciting when the church is growing. It's exciting when people are encountering God, experiencing healing. Uh, we had an outreach this past Sunday after church. It was amazing. Well, we had a newcomer's lunch. We had a newcomer's lunch. We had 15 newcomers come. We had like 25 of us there. It was, it was packed. It felt like another service. Um, it was great getting to know new people, sharing with them about our vision, our ministry. Um, and then right after that, in the evening, we had an outreach to the um, dormitory workers, uh, migrant workers, guest speakers. About 140 uh, guest workers were registered. 100 plus people came. We had uh, 35 Solomon's Porch volunteers, about 25 adults, 24 adults, around 12 kids. And um, Ken gave the message. He gave a, a very simple, concise gospel message. 30 people, 30 people raised their hands to accept Christ as their Lord and Savior. It was amazing. It was amazing. Um, and then after that, I got to go up and give a short testimony of how Jesus healed my back. And then we made an invitation for people to come up to receive prayer. And I think almost every single person came up 
It was amazing. It was amazing. We had all the volunteers there praying for people, ministering to people, you know, praying for healing. People were getting saved. Uh, we had a meeting last night. You know, we left very encouraged. You know, people were able to share and their concerns and needs and, and, and house church. Um, we had two house churches multiplied now four, so we have more space. So a lot of, you know, it, it, like this was like an all-star week for me. Like a lot of incredible, wonderful things are happening in the church. And we all want to see results. We all want to see fruits. Um, but I think we also have to manage and temper, you know, those expectations with the reality and here it says in verse 2, we had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know. But with the help of God, we dared to you know, continue to proclaim the gospel. And, and this just reminded me, you know, we certainly celebrate and enjoy the spiritual highs and, and the movements of God. But the reality is, is we can't get too comfortable, right? I think, I think it's dangerous Listen, I think it's very dangerous as believers if your priority as a believer is to be comfortable. Okay, I'll tell you right now, up front, in love, that there's going to be conflict, there's going to be a struggle. Um, as believers, as Christians, as followers, as leaders, you know, do we get too comfortable? Did we expect, did we expect, was there somewhere in this unspoken contract, you know, maybe in the deep recesses, maybe not out front, right, that somewhere back there we thought that becoming a believer or being a disciple or following Jesus meant that, you know, certain basic comforts or, or, or comfort would be, or, or, or provision you know, in, in all its form and shapes, would always be available. And, and I don't think that that's the case. I think as believers, we have to be stretched. I think as believers, we have to be flexible. I think as believers, we have to learn to be content in all circumstances and all situations. Um, as a believer, it's easy. I'll be the first to admit, it's easy to seek, you know, comfort or convenience. Uh, I, was, I was 29 years old. I was single. Dude, I was... I wish you guys could have known me when I was 29, man. I was gung-ho on fire, man. I could do anything, go anywhere, eat anything or nothing for the kingdom of God. I spent eight weeks in the dead of summer in a dormitory with no air conditioning with eight other guys I'd never met before. Taking showers in communal, like no hot water, ice cold. And I was loving it. I was like the kingdom of God and like going out proclaiming and... Um, and then I got married, <laughs> you know, and I would say from single gung-ho, like I'll go to the northeast regions of China, like, but feels like 60 years back in time without any comforts, you know, like, like living like nothing. And then I got married and the needle moved just a little bit. I was still gung-ho. I was still ghetto. Ghetto for the kingdom, like, you know, and Annie was ghetto too. And then I had kids. That changed everything. It was weird, man. Like, like, like there's a lot of processing and, you know, I think I'm still processing now. 
It's one thing for me to sacrifice for myself. It's one thing to meet a woman of God who's also same mindset, missionary, went to Uzbekistan, sacrificed everything and to live like that and to not have any, like couldn't care less what people thought of me, couldn't care less what people thought of my status or my, you know, where I lived or what, what my zip code was. Like none of that matter. All that stuff was dead on the cross. It was crazy, man. The moment I had kids, a whole nother, like that needle just pumped up. Like, like I didn't want my kids to not be comfortable, right? I didn't want my kids to not have a certain, I had a certain standard of education, a certain standard of living. And so I, I just remember there was a stark contrast and, and I wasn't, I wasn't that same guy. I wasn't as willing to let go and sacrifice certain things that I was for myself or even for, you know, my partner. But when it came to kids, uh, um, and so it's been a constant struggle. I'll be very honest. Uh, when I was married and, and when I was single and when I was married, I didn't think twice about going to North Korea. I went there twice. I went to Pyongyang, right? Right to the heart. If I, if I got imprisoned or martyred, I was like, yes, for the glory of God, you know, my parents will be sad. Some of my friends maybe. You know, um, but the moment I had kids, I was like, I'm not going to North Korea, right? I'm not going to, I can't take that risk. I can take that risk for me, but I can't take that risk for my, for my kids. Does that make sense? Um, and so, you know, we have to constantly remind ourselves there has to be a, a, a very healthy theology of suffering. And I think not too long ago, a couple months ago, I, I gave a couple sermons on that. Um, I don't know. I don't remember if I was before my sabbatical or after my sabbatical, um, but but we have to be prepared under all circumstances. Paul says, whether in want or you know, uh, uh, whether he had you know blessings, whether he had plenty, whether he had food, whether whether he had comfort, or whether he had none of these things. All these things were stripped from him. That he was still content. He found the secret of being content in Christ. And so we can't allow circumstances good, especially not good, but also when things are difficult to determine our sense of worth or our sense of peace. That has to be centered in Christ. Um, I, was, I was talking with, I have some really close brothers, groomsmen, uh, uh, people that I got saved with when I was, when I was 12 years old. We, we went to the same church. Uh, we all gave our lives to the Lord when we were in, we were in middle school, 12 years old. Uh, there's a group of about five or six of us. We, you know, we have a group chat. Uh, we talk regularly, weekly, monthly, time to time we get on Zoom calls. And I had a brother who was was writing Christian music and, and recording, you know, small communally, you know, in, in our circles. And uh, he said this beautiful phrase, and, and, I, and, I, and I wrote it down. You know, he says, I haven't written worship music and recorded music in ages. It's been like 20 years. Got married, went into law, got a job, got kids. And he and was working in San Francisco, went back to, down to Los Angeles uh, to meet up with former band, you know, members, uh, church members, wrote this song, got in the studio, cranked it out, you know, two, three days, like hardly any sleep, hardly any food. And this is what he wrote. He says, I'm so exhausted. I'm so exhausted. But I've never been happier. I haven't been this happy in a long time. I'm so exhausted and I'm so happy, both. Sometimes we just get exhausted, and then it makes us miserable. We get exhausted because we're serving. We get exhausted in the church, in the home, in, in work, and then we're miserable. 
right? And this guy just reminded me, there's certain things we can do, like, you know, service unto God, worship unto God, you know, certain things that God has gifted us in. And, and you know, to get to this place where we're exhausted, we're expended, but it's good exhaustion. Like, you go to sleep knowing that you know, the work that you did was, you know, for the kingdom. You know, sowing and planting seeds, even in your rest that you know God is going to water and grow and, and bless others. And so, you know, I think the key to this is really where our hearts are in the service that we're doing. Where is your heart in the service and commitments that you have made? Is it, oh, Pastor Sam or the church asked me, oh, but there's so much need, right? Those are not bad reasons, but it must be, it must be born and birthed out of an individual, personal intimacy and walk with God. There's just no way in my 25 plus years of ministry that willpower or my own like care or concern for, for people is ever going to drive me or is ever going to sustain me to continue in ministry. There's just, there's just no way. There's only two ways. It doesn't matter if you're a house church leader, a Sunday school teacher, you know, full-time. There's only two ways you will ever sustain longevity and service and then ultimately worship and glory to God. You must have your own personal time. There, there's, I, 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 there's just no other exception to that. You must have your own personal intimate time at the feet of Jesus. Second, you must, and I'm learning this more and I'm always reminded of this, you have to have this prayer in your arsenal. If you're not praying this arsenal, if you're not praying this prayer in your arsenal, you're only, you're only, you're only doing half the battle, right? You're really insufficient. And I say that in the most loving way. You're very insufficient. The second part, the first part is sitting with Jesus like Mary on a daily, daily basis. You must fight for that time, right? No one's going to give it to you. You have to fight for that time like you fight for the other things in your life. That's important, okay? It's just let the Holy Spirit speak to you. I don't know anything. It's between you and God. You know, whether you fight for or not, tells you what your priority is. So you have to fight like the other things that are important in your life. You have to make it a priority. The second thing, if you don't have this in your arsenal, you got to start today. You got to start today. I'm constantly reminded, God is so good. I'm doing things, I'm ministering, I'm preaching, I'm praying, I'm trying to counsel, it usually doesn't work, you know? And then God reminds me, hey man, are you praying for extra strength? Are you praying for my help? Are you praying for the Holy Spirit? And I have to remind, yes, I forgot. I'm, I'm so sorry. You know, I've been doing this for so long. Sometimes it's, it's literally muscle memory. Holy Spirit, I can't do this without you. I, I just don't have, I don't even want to do it. Let alone, can I do it? I need your help. The second thing is, you have to pray and remember, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit. It's, it is enough for you to get to heaven to say, Jesus, be my Savior. Okay, we're not talking about salvation, done deal, right? Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough for your salvation. He's paid the full price. Okay, amen? But you want to walk in power? 
You want to walk in, in the manifestation of God's presence in your life? Nothing in your life can you do without the Holy Spirit. Okay, you'll get tired. You, you'll forget why you even signed up. You'll lose motivation. You'll get bitter. Worse, even worse than that, you'll keep doing it and you'll get bitter. You have to pray this prayer, whatever it is God is asking you. Holy Spirit, I cannot do this. I need your help. Amen? Amen? So, uh, uh, happy exhaustion. <laughs> I think we're all tired, right? But I want you to be happy tired, right? And the only way you're going to be happy tired, exhausted in the kingdom, is if you're filled with the Holy Spirit. That's it. Because if you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you're here late at night, 11, don't get to bed, 12, have to wake up next morning, 5, you're going to be bitter. You're going to be upset because I didn't get my sleep. I didn't get my time with my family. Right? But then the Holy Spirit gave you strength. The Holy Spirit gives you rest. The Holy Spirit gives you quality time with your family the next day. You're going to be okay. Does that make sense? Okay, you, you got to rely on the Holy Spirit. You guys are awesome. You guys are incredible. Marketplace, all those things. Uh, but the things that God has called you to, He would never have expected you to do it without Him. He would have never expected you to do it without Him. Okay? Um, you got to spend time like Mary at the feet of Jesus. You're not at the feet of Jesus right now. You're at the feet of Pastor Sam Kim. Okay? I'm at the feet of Jesus, and I got a word, and I'm giving you some of the, the food he gave me. Hey, it's good. Have some. You need to sit at Jesus' feet alone in Scripture, in prayer and worship, and you need to get fresh bread from him on a daily basis. You have to fight for it. Amen? Okay? Um, it goes on in verses 4. On the contrary, we speak with those approved by God uh, to be entrusted with the gospel. Okay? I, I can't emphasize this enough. I wish I could take myself out of the picture and, and try to speak objectively as possible. You know, and, and the best way I can say it is maybe you're a spiritual leader now in some capacity, house church, ministry, whatever. Uh, maybe one day you will be a spiritual leader of a house church or a ministry. Um, listen, listen, you got to please God. Okay? You have to please God, not people. It doesn't matter if 20 people rise up in the church. It doesn't matter if 50 people rise up in the church. It doesn't matter if 100 people rise up church. It, we have 300. It doesn't matter if 150 people leave the church. Okay? You must, at the end of the day, prayerfully, with all humility, come before God and answer to God alone. Okay? It's easy for me to say that in, in my position. I understand that. But whether you're in a small group or in a group of friends or in accountability or you have non-believing friends or you have nominal believers or you have people on the fence, one foot in the world, one foot in, in God, Christianity, and and, and there's a lot of compromises. Let, let me tell you something. I'll say it very simply. You should be more concerned about what God thinks about that situation than what your friends think about that situation. So if you're, if you're sitting there like, oh, I wonder if I say this, I'll offend my friend, and then they won't come to church anymore, you know, because of relationships, because of certain life choices. You should be infinitely more concerned about what God thinks about you and that situation than what your Christian friends think about that situation. On any given matter, what does God say about the matter? What does the scripture say about it? Not what is the consensus of the people in your house church or the consensus of the people in the church. It's black and white. God has spoken, right? I tried to, I tried to refer to this a couple Sundays ago. Um, I made mention 
Listen, God created the world with one with with words. One spoken word, light appeared. One spoken word, expanses, day and night, earth, animals, trees. When God speaks, the power and the authority it, it won't come back empty-handed. When God speaks, it's it's life, it's truth. So when God says, I'm gonna save you, I'm gonna destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, don't look back. And then someone says, Oh, God is so unjust, God is so unfair. How can he be, you know, Lot's wife looked back and turned into a pillar of salt? I'm sorry, does God have to repeat himself? Does God does God need to say it twice? When he created the heavens and the earth and breath of life to all humanity? Right? God doesn't have to repeat himself. What God has communicated is very straightforward and clear. So my advice and encouragement is, in any given matter, you want to know what God has to say in that matter. The moment you compromise because of people or consensus, and you act against the conviction that you know God has, but then you know that if you say that it might offend somebody or it might turn someone away. Um, I'll say to you what a, a dear loving pastor said to me. Be careful. I did something I didn't know. It wasn't intentional. I thought it was okay. And then this person pointed out, hey, the scripture says this. And he didn't judge me. He didn't even rebuke me. It was the scariest thing I ever heard. Because this guy usually corrects me and usually rebukes me. And usually I'm like, oh, you know, like, if you want to know who it is, it's Pastor Sam. Okay? <laughs> so usually he corrects me. Usually he rebukes me. And my knee jerk is, oh, come on, man. Like, you know, what's the big deal? Like, oh, okay, but, okay, you're my, okay, I submit. I submit. There was this one time, all he said was, Sam, dude. I care for you, man. Be careful. Be careful. Be careful that you're not doing things to please people and without knowing you're actually offending God. You should be more concerned on any topic today what God thinks on that matter than what, I'll say, your Christian friends think on that matter. And certainly, you know, outside of the church as well. Okay, um, obviously, there's room for love and and uh, uh, you know gentleness and, and and drawing people to Christ, but that takes a back seat, man. That takes a distant, distant back seat to am I obeying God and am I pleasing God? Amen. Come on, let me get an amen, man. That's not an easy word, but you got to believe it, right? Um, you don't believe me? Look at the Old Testament. Look at Saul. Start it off. Start it off with the anointing and calling and the favor of God. Somewhere down the line, he got really loose. He got really loose with his interpretation. He got really loose and comfortable with his status and what he had. Next thing you know, he's leading Israel. He's still the king, but God ain't there. God is not there. God moved on. God is going to appoint someone else. Okay? Someone should have told Saul. And someone, I'm sure they did, you know, Nathan or, or the prophet, you know, be very careful. Dude, you're not a priest. You can't do burnt offerings before battle on your own. Are you kidding me? When did you, you're the king, but when did you assume the role of the priest? Right? And so Saul goes out, sacrifices animals because the, the, the priest was taking too long. God was not in that battle. 
I mean, God was like, you're doing your own thing. You're interpreting your own thing. You're taking the things that are sacred and the word and uh, manufacturing and modifying it to fit your own agenda. God says, no, you, 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 don't, you don't have regard for me anymore. Okay? Be more concerned on any given, I mean, pick LGBT, pick uh, uh, women leadership, pick, pick anything. Pick anything you want. Uh, a house church, you know, uh, a church theology, you know, certain things. On any given, you know, uh, uh, sex before marriage, oh, it's like, it's so common, it's so like, you know, oh, come on, be Sam, that's so archaic. No, on all these things God has made crystal clear, okay? Um, do not be unequally yoked. You know, all these, all the hot, hot buttons, all the hot topics. Every one of these things God has spoken very clearly, okay? We need the Spirit both to navigate in love and gentleness, but at the same time we cannot compromise and if it makes things a little uncomfortable, so be it. Let it be uncomfortable. Let it be uncomfortable. What's wrong with being uncomfortable? Um, Paul just told us they were treated outrageously in Philippi. There was no favor. There was no red carpet. There was no guest speaker. Oh, our guest speaker, nah, 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 you know? They were treated outrageously. They were not comfortable. They were exhausted. But I can assure you that they were exhausted, happy, because at the end of the day, they knew they did God's work. And at the end of the day, they knew that God was pleased. And when they went to bed and when they woke up the next morning, they had the favor of God on them. And that was their fuel. That was their strength. That was their vision. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, lastly, I'll just mention this in verse 8. Uh, so we cared for you because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, uh, but our lives as well. Uh, and then in verse 17, uh, he continues on after they had left. He communicates that there was an intense longing. We made every effort to see you. And so I want you to see two things here. There's not just a proclamation of the gospel or the word or teaching. There's also a genuine, deep desire for intimacy and relationship. I think that's one of the biggest dangers in the church. I'll be the first to admit, as, as a pastor, as a leader, as a pulpit and, and congregation and pew and all that, I think one of the one of the, one, something that can be so dangerous is this like, like program mentality and then consumer mentality right, and so the gospel just kind of fits, it's nicely packaged, it's, it's nice to hear and it, it warms us up and then we go out and we just kind of do our own thing um, everywhere I read in the scriptures there's a proclamation of the gospel truth and teaching, but then there's also an intense community, right? And so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm processing, I'm praying, I'm wrestling. You know, how do we get away from this program, you know, big, large gathering feel? How do we get to the basics of real intimacy and community in smaller groups, in smaller groups? And I'm not even talking about like, you know, house church of 20. You know, I, I am talking about house church of 12. But I'm talking even smaller than that, like, you know, 10 to 8. Um, how do we get to this place in the New Testament where there seems to be such a desire and such a longing and, and tears? And I've, and I've seen it, you know, I've seen it in pockets in our community. You know, when the house churches multiply, it's crazy. We're still in the same church. We still see each other on a weekly basis. But I've seen at least three house churches, four house churches, when they multiply, they're literally in tears, praying for each other because they've gone through so much. You know, there's been so much heartache and brokenness and healing 
and they've walked through those seasons together. And then when they multiply, because we have to multiply, we have to multiply because we have people, new people coming and they need to experience God in that way. And the send off and the prayer, and it's just like, it really moves me, even though we're in the same city. And Paul, you know, here and, and his you know, leaders are, are brokenhearted because they're not going to see people for a long period of time. And they're so concerned about their spiritual well-being that they want to come back. And, and we learned last week in EMP that Paul has sent, you know, planned to send Timothy and send others, even though Timothy was a great asset uh, to his own benefit. It, it would be like PMAT such a great asset and benefit to me. Man, I, you know, he has to be, he can't, you know. But then we're like, we plant a church in uh, East Side, you know, East Coast, because we know that others need and would be blessed as well. And so it's, it's the same thing. Um, and so, um, you know, we have to be intentional about not just telling people the right answers or this is what God would do or say, but walking with them. And even when they struggle in obeying, knowing, you know, making sure they know that they are loved. So there's a whole lot of, you know, uh, uh, there's a whole lot of choppy waters that the Holy Spirit needs to navigate us through. Must be done in love. Must be done in love. Okay, let's bow our heads. <clears throat> and I think this morning I just want to really come back to um, being intentional about creating, be intentional about creating a specific space and time where you can meet with God, where God can download, where God gives you fresh bread, right? You're not eating stale bread. You're not eating someone else's bread. You're fighting to make time alone with God on a daily basis. It's more important than your breakfast. It's more important than your morning workout. It's more important than reviewing the notes to a meeting that day. You need to spend time alone with God and then make room for those other things as well. But don't replace those things and rely on, on someone else's feeding. You must create space and time alone with Jesus at his feet. You must fight for that time. You must not get too comfortable. Comfort is overrated. Forget it. Forget it. Okay, I, I, I've seen these uh, motivational things. I, I guess these are people who are so driven they hardly sleep. And in their home, on their steps, it says, I'll, I'll catch up on all my sleep when I'm six feet under. <laughs> Basically when they're dead, right? They'll get all the comfort and the rest they need when they're dead. Um, yeah, that's not necessarily my, my thing or motive. I, I, get, I get good rest. Um, but for the kingdom of God, for the kingdom of God, comfort cannot be number two. It can't even be number three. Just, just, just push it down, okay? Spiritually, willingly, just, just push it down two or three notches down. You're going to see all this capacity, all this space, all this freedom, right? It used to be a number one priority. It used to be, maybe it's your number two. Push it down to number three, number four, number five. It's, it's no, thank you, but no thank you, okay? You, you, don't, you don't have that space in my head anymore. You're not allowed. You, you, no, no permission. You get out. Get out. I don't live for comfort. I don't live for convenience. Okay, the world lives for comfort. The world love for, lives for convenience. That's not even in my top five anymore. Okay, it's going to keep trying to rear its head. You just keep pushing it down in the Holy Spirit. Okay, exhausted but happy because you're doing God's work. But you're only going to feel that if you're at His feet. 
So Lord Jesus, would you come, Holy Spirit, would you revive our hearts, Lord, even now, in addition, supplementing our times with you here. Holy Spirit, come. Thank you for the reminder. Thank you for the reminder. I almost forgot. Man, a couple weeks had gone by, I almost forgot. That's right. I, there's no way I could do this on my own. And you never intended me to do this on my own. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come and fill me up. Set my eyes upon you. Recalibrate. Reprioritize. You know, rejig my energy resources and where it goes and the things that bring me life, not the things that bring draining and, and, and no production. Lord, I focus my heart on you. I recommit this week, this day, this month, the end of the year. The, I don't, it doesn't matter what happened. The first eight, nine months, I'm going to finish strong. These last three months, it's going to be good. It's going to be sweet. It's going to rewrite the narrative because I'm going to see through your eyes, your interpretation of me and this year, not through my eyes and the world's interpretation of me and where I am. Jesus, you are going to speak these things. So this last three months are going to be awesome. It's going to be Holy Spirit filled. Every time I feel like I can't, every time I get tired, every time I feel down, immediately going to be reminded, that's right, oh yeah, I forgot. I need the Holy Spirit. Jesus went to the cross, paid the ultimate price so that today I would know that I am so loved, that he wants to walk with me, and he intimately cares about me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. We worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.